Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Black Health Podcast. We're recording live from the Philosophy Media Group studios today. And I'm Paula, and I'm joined by... Everyone, it's Matthew. And Marcy. So today's icebreaker is, what do you hate? You can do one to three things uh, that you hate and why. Mm-hmm. Um, and the limit is for Marcy, so you don't list literally everything. I, I, yeah. <laughs> you got a note in your phone? I do. <laughs> Real Virgo shit. <laughs> and I hate that. <laughs> and that's me. So, Mercy, you can start. <laughs> okay, let's see. One to three. This is very limiting. Um, I guess off top, what I hate the most right now is how people in these toxic hot takes on relationships is the topic of conversation on like social every, media every yeah. day. Mm. Like, okay, don't the people who were giving the advice, like, why am I listening to you, first of all? Yeah. Why do I care that you think that your girlfriend need to bring you a plate of food and rub your belly every day? Why do I care about that? It's all with the same, like, end goal in mind. It's, like, to get women to, like, submit, like, do we need to keep talking about this? Right. Guys, like, do we it's not keep... 1960 no more. Let it go. Hang it up. Hang it up. We're not Last doing screen. it. <laughs> I saw a video a guy said that his his woman couldn't go on a girl trip. I saw that. I too. saw that. And I, I saw heard that. that that guy who said that is caught up heavily in sex trafficking. So mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. he got he very was, aggressive. Yeah. yeah, he was like, I don't want you to go on girl trips because a nigga like me might sex traffic you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, That's what he was worried was. about. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I can do what I want, but you don't need to be going anywhere. You should be happy at home. Whatever. Some crap like that. Yeah. Like, why do you need to go on a girl trip? <laughs> get away from you that was so dumb yeah I mean why yeah. do you need to go out with your homeboys I don't understand what are we talking and I like those TikToks you know that one woman who like impersonates men doing podcasts oh yeah I've seen <laughs> it those, like, went viral. that was funny yeah I mean she be spot on <laughs> right <laughs> and it's so ridiculous but the fact that she's spot on it's like I know it's just supposed to be parody but but even the women podcast they also just be talking about the same stuff like yeah. oh my god it's just of the same conversation on loop, but no one has anything insightful to add. Ever. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just, I really hate that. Yeah. Nothing different. Like I want to talk about like polyamory or like, I don't know, like just something like, yeah. What's the word? Um, some kind of like parenting style that's like become like really like new. Like soft parenting. Gentle, gentle, gentle parenting. parenting. Yeah. 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 Like let's talk yeah. about like, stuff like that. Gentle dating. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Gentle <laughs> dating. I mean, I was like, be soft with me. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm good. Like, I'm not trying to be playing all these games with you anymore. I'm grown. Yeah. Like, what is all of this? What are we talking about? What are y'all talking about? No one knows. Who's going to, um, maybe you know Matthew, but like who's um, filling in the vacuum for Kevin Samuels? <laughs> why would I know? <laughs> I think that's why all these podcasts are like emerging. Maybe that's Someone, what they're doing. Right. Yeah. They're, they're going to be the one. For the, for the spot? Yeah. Yeah. Someone is hoping that they are going to be the one. I saw some, someone had tweeted like, oh, y'all be like celebrating Kevin Samuels' death. Like he personally says something to you. And then this other person like retweeted it and was like, it don't matter. The haters won. The man is dead. Exactly. so bad. We won. Hypertension. Like, damn. That's so bad. It's nothing you can say. We up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. 
Rest in peace to Kevin. No. <laughs> Rest in chaos. <laughs> Rest in chaos. All right, what else do you hate? <laughs> um, because it's summertime in Georgia, I really hate mosquitoes. Yeah. And just bugs. Like it was a whole flying roach incident in my apartment <laughs> like a month ago. That was traumatic. Like I'm just making my bed yeah. and then the roach seen me. I seen him. I screamed. He screamed. We running. I don't know. Like, he hiding. Uh-uh. He was like, it's a person. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. So, yeah, mosquitoes, bugs, all of that. Hate them. Yeah. Like, especially roaches and mosquitoes. Like, what is their purpose? Like, everything else, I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. It was created for a reason. But those are literally just pets. Yeah, I don't think they help the environment or anything. What, what are you pollinating, my nigga? Like, <laughs> right. You know what, what are you making better about this world, this ecosystem? Right. Because mosquito, you just out here spreading disease exactly. and sucking my blood. The roaches spreading disease since prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. Are they mm-hmm. dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, they might be. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what the definition of a dinosaur is, but I'm they, I think they've been around for a long time. I know that's what I'm saying. They've been around that long. Yeah. Are they not? <laughs> they might be. They truly might be. And um, since I'm back in town, I'm staying at Mercy's place. And I was saying to her earlier, like, is there some kind of big ass bug that keeps flying into the window? Because like every few minutes, I'll hear like boom at the window, yeah. and, and it's like, sounds like someone's beating on the window. Yeah, like throwing a rock at the window. It's like some huge bug that keeps flying in, like. Yeah. Like a bird. <laughs> no, it, and it's like, at first I thought it was a bird. Yeah. Because that's how hard it hit the window. But no, it's one of those would be. Yeah. You live in the Georgia forest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the trees are always a good idea until. Right. <laughs> Do you have anything else on your list? Are you at three? You going to max out? I have one more. <laughs> I hate people who... Do not let you merge on the highway Mm -hmm. or people who do not signal like and they just yeah or like they're turning Mm -hmm. and they don't signal they Mm -hmm. just stop in the middle of the street yeah bad highway etiquette yeah for sure for sure like i've been feeling every every other person in atlanta basically right and i'd be feeling like my dad because i'd be cussing out folks and i'd be driving i'd be like you drive like you on the road and i was like wow say that all the time <laughs> but i get it because people really just be out here like they own 25 yes. own 75 85 just like whatever. fuck your life fuck fuck my life fuck yeah okay. like if you're on the phone with mercy and she's driving <laughs> you'll hear her, she's just like what are you doing motherfucker <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the road rage it gets pretty intense it's on 10. i stopped honking at people because my mama swear i'm gonna get shot so <laughs> Yeah. They're shooting people on these streets. They are. They are shooting people. They sure are. Shooting so. out the window. They are. So I have, I do, I just beat with my mouth now. I just like. <laughs> what? <laughs> like I just have to that get works. the rage that works. out. Yeah, you know? that's healthier. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if I ever saw that. <laughs> Listen, I have rage and I yeah. have to get it out. And I'm yeah, I learned that early on so. being a passenger in your car, like. I'm going to just be quiet, so. <laughs> I mean, but we get to our destination safely. We do, we do. That's every hilarious. Time. So, yeah, those would be. That's a healthy coping mechanism, though. I mean. It's not going to get you shot. not going to get me shot. At least I hope not. You mm-hmm. know, people are crazy, so they might mm-hmm. just see my rage and get mad at my rage inside my car. Or they'd be like, oh, you did something to me, you know, yeah. when they the one who didn't signal or whatever. <laughs> So yeah, I guess those would be my top three for this mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. 
this week, <laughs> this period of my life. What about you, Matthew? I only have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a epidemic happening, and it's really been bothering me, and it's been carried by white girls ages mm-hmm. 13 to about 25, oh. um, <laughs> and they are just destroying white Air Force Ones. Um, oh god yes. them <laughs> i didn't know where it was going shit. You, so right. <laughs> you are so right they, I, they, what yeah. is that i don't get it like do they just it. like run them through the dirt after like they, they buy, buy them I, they have to <laughs> they have to or go because y'all wasn't yeah. wearing them before these are not old from your they're childhood not, right don't they're, lie. Not, they're not vintage right. forces you just and bought even them. then like my forces never got that dirty yeah never Yes. But I was also at home with the toothbrush, like true, true. I was like making it work. But, true that. but yeah. I, I've never seen one like, oh, those are those are fresh. You, you just oh, got never. those. Yeah. Never. Mm-hmm. Like you went to a festival yesterday. You know what? <laughs> I think it's something to it though. Like it's I feel like they like desecrate in black culture. Like <laughs> mm, that's deep. <laughs> that's deep. <laughs> that is deep. Because we take it seriously, like, keep your forces clean. And just the fact that they like, now nah, we're going to take forces, but dirty. <laughs> but dirty. But dirty. It's like they, On like, purpose. Them. <laughs> yes. Just to crease them. Crease them. <laughs> Maybe super creased. Yeah. Because you're right. Yeah. I've never seen them in a crispy pair of ones. Mm-mm. It's never like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Do they buy them, them like that already? You got those ones with the slouch socks. <laughs> or are you doing your thing? It's like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you get them like that. But maybe they do go to festivals, like, right after. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> right around. Probably like an right underground right. Air Force One exchange. <laughs> Probably is. Yeah. Hey, mines are hella dirty, bro. This got dirt from Astro World. <laughs> right. Right. Bar- Bar- right. Bar- right. And Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I slept in them and everything, bro. Y'all probably dead on. Honestly, <laughs> I would not be surprised. I really wouldn't. How about you, Paula? What's on? What's on your list? I got two things. Um, I hate people who stop like walking, like when it's an exit type of thing. So, like, let's say you coming down a, an escalator and somebody stopped right in front of the escalator, like oh, you know, like yeah. it's about to be a pileup. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Keep moving. Move to the side. <laughs> Move to the side. Like, come on, think about it. Like, it's just, like a unaware. Yeah, a level of like just being totally self unaware. Um, I'm saying like going through a door, anything, like just keep moving, like or get out the way. Like, understand that that really annoys me. Someone got to start pushing people. Yeah, somebody <laughs> did that recently. I was with them, and they stopped walking at the end of the escalator, and I. Push them, and I was like, "My bad, bro. I'm sorry." But just, you, 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 hit, you hit a nerve. You hit a nerve. Why would you do that? It's an escalator. I'm about to get eaten by the escalator now. <laughs> like, move. No. I also hate my second thing is people who interact with like Twitter bots and stuff, or just like any online mm. bots, like mm. like for real, like really be arguing with the bots and. <laughs> I know, like, it's people can't always tell, like, who's a bot and who's not anymore. But, like, come on, like, try. Because, like, sometimes you can go and look at the person's profile. And it's like, this person just opened a page yesterday and all they tweet is, like, I don't know, like, pro-Trump stuff or whatever. Like, this is clearly, like, an agenda. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't, like, a real person or whatever. And so, like, they'll comment on something using, like, the same, like, key phrases that get people mad or whatever. Like, they'll be like, dark-skinned girls can't wear bright lipstick. Like, we talked about this already. Right. Like, right. like, 
<laughs> like, real people are not really saying this. For, I mean, some people are, but like, yeah, sure. but come on, like you, you can kind of tell like some posts, like when people mm-hmm. are, it's just like a, a bot to me. get like, um, interaction or whatever. Yeah. And people will be like, oh, how dare you or whatever. It's like, you getting your blood pressure up for no reason. Like, stop that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know people spent time arguing with bots. Oh, they really do. Because now the bots are really good at looking like real people. Okay. Um. Yeah, they said, like, it's a lot of bots on Twitter. Like, a lot. Like, mm. they and they, they're, like, starting the to look Russians. real. Yeah, yeah. It's them, like, trying to sway elections and stuff mm. like that. So they really do, like tweet stuff that sounds really real or like a real person would say it. But if you pay attention, you can see that they pretty much only tweet like certain inflammatory stuff. Mm. And like, oftentimes it's like the same like Twitter topics that, you know, like I said, have been like hashed out already. Like, and yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Somebody who tweets that I would go and look like that's probably a bot, like, or just an attention seeking person, but it's not like real, like, this isn't like a real opinion. Like these people mm, are just trolling. Yeah, trolling. A troll bot. A troll. Yeah, and some people do it. Some real people do it. Yeah, but... yeah. that's sad. <laughs> spend your days. Oh, do you get paid to troll on the internet? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe if you get like enough engagement, you can like get sponsorships or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's ways to monetize tweets. Yeah, you can work for the Russians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for real been in my CV <laughs> anyway so we're gonna move into our topic for today um, so this topic is kind of like something that we've been like touching on a little bit like in previous episodes and so we're kind of like rehashing like some of the content we talked about before um, but just like trying to pull out this one particular um, piece of it that we want to really highlight which is uh, the concept of intersectionality and like what that means um, and how it impacts health uh, and just like examples from like current media and um, and talking about some things and how like they are intersectional. And in, yeah, so we're just going to explain that better. <laughs> so basically, like, I don't know how familiar y'all are, like even with like intersectionality and like it as a whole like concept and platform, but definitely like people in our audience might not be all that familiar because I think a lot of people kind of get it a little bit mixed up about exactly what it means. Like, I think some people, some people will say like they are intersectional and like as a, as an individual person, like you can't be (laughs) intersectional as a person. It's more of a, um, it's a framework. It's a, it's a concept. It's a lens. It's an approach. Um, it's not intersectional itself is not an identity. Um, but basically, so uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, she is a lawyer, an activist, um, the goat. scholar, the Crenshaw. GOAT, one of the pioneers of the critical race theory movement. Um, so Kimberly Crenshaw came up with the term intersectionality. She was describing how the law had a narrow view of discrimination mm-hmm. um, as either like based on race or based on gender. So kind of like based on like a single issue or a single identity Mm -hmm. under like discrimination. So she was noticing how like it really didn't account for um, black women, like the particular challenges that black women face. So she came up with this term um, and wrote a lot about it. And so because like black women face discrimination 
based on gender, based on race, and often like a combination of both. Um, So intersectionality really describes how like different, like marginalized identities can kind of like come together and combine and create like a unique form of oppression Mm -hmm. that really takes into account, um, like it, it, it takes into account those different identities that like one person might have, but it is unique for them. Um, the way that that discrimination or oppression, like expresses itself in that in a person's life because of their different um identities Mm -hmm. so again like i said like with black women it's like the racism that black women face is somewhat gendered um and the sexism that black women face is racist in some ways (laughs) so there was um an example of this is is like a, a court case that um crenshaw wrote about um, to explain like what she meant by intersectionality. Um, so it was a 1976 case against General Motors. Um, five black women that worked there, they sued General Motors for, it was a seniority policy um, that they basically argued it targeted black women exclusively. Um, so basically like General Motors, um, they didn't hire black women <laughs> like at all before 1964. So then when this, uh, so it was like 1964, before that, no Black women were on staff. And then, like I said, this case was in 76. So like uh, 12 years later, um, they were, they had a policy that had like seniority-based layoffs. So if you were more senior in the company, you know, you're more likely to keep your position and stuff. Um, and so obviously like all the black women got fired because they weren't senior because they had not been there as long as other folks who were not black women Mm -hmm. who had not been able to get hired before 1964. Um, so they sued because they were like that policy, these seniority based layoffs are discriminatory towards black women. Um, and so basically in the court, like General Motors was able to prove that they weren't discriminatory based on race standards because there were Black men who didn't get um, negatively impacted by this policy. And then they were able to prove that they were not discriminatory based on gender because they were white women who um, were not impacted by the policy. And they won the case, actually. And then, like, the judge was basically saying, like... Black women, um, like as a category, like that can't be considered like a special protected group or identity that's separate, like a special group that's like protected from discrimination under the eyes of the law, because it's going to open a Pandora's box of (laughs) all types of marginalized folks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like a bunch of people are going to start combining their identities. (laughs) Getting justice. based on it so that's when like Kimberly Crenshaw was like oh no I gotta say something about this and this is you know I like it it's illogical and it actually is leaving like certain people more vulnerable um by only like defining discrimination and oppression and these like really like narrow like narrow like lanes or whatever um and then another thing I was reading was talking about how like looking at discrimination that way um, in like these narrow, like kind of like single issue, single identity type of ways is like, um, is really inadequate because 
it like it limits like our investigation into certain issues um, as like basically like privileging like the experience of like otherwise like already privileged members of the group. So, for example, like if you're only like looking at how an issue affects like black people as like that is the only identity that Mm -hmm. you consider then you can easily like only um, kind of be like observing the experiences um, of like black cisgender men and stuff like that. Like instead of understanding how being black and disabled, black and trans, black and other, another like marginalized um, targeted identity is like, um, you know, a unique thing within the black experience. Mm. And so if you're like programs or policies, whatever, don't, take that into account, then you're not really addressing, uh, like a more, like from a, from a complex and a critical, um, standpoint and you end up kind of like leaving people out basically. Um, and same with like women issues and stuff. If you only look at it like, oh, just, you know, this is just like a overall experience of like what it means to be a woman. Usually that's like come from like a white woman's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so you have to think about race and other identities as well within that. So, yeah, so then we were just going to talk about, like, some different, um, like, recent stories, things in the media that kind of, like, speak to this concept um, and just explain them, like, from an intersectional lens. Um, So, yeah, I'll start, actually. Um, So, like, the topic I came with today was about, like, all this, like, anti-trans, like, legislation and just sentiment that's, like, in the dominant society today. Um, you know, they've been passing these like, um, bills. I think we talked, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on a episode, like maybe two, three episodes ago, but, um, they've been passing like bills that are like, um, you know, like can't have trans people in sports or whatever, or like, um, gender testing in sports to like ensure that it's only like cis women or cis girls, I guess, playing on the girls team. Um, or else like, you know, the trans person will have some kind of like unfair advantage um, is the assumption and things like that. So, you know, so there's been these laws and policies implemented um, for um, pretty much, I think so far it's been like school age children kind of like to, to ensure like do like gender testing and things like that. Um, Also just generally like this anti-trans like bathroom bills, all that like Mm -hmm. sentiment and stuff. And those things also like affect like, you know, healthcare and then like mental health of trans people um, and just like the overall environment. So even like it'll um, places where there are these anti-trans laws and policies, like we'll see increases in violence against trans people. And so, um, yeah, so I want to talk about kind of like how trans issues are like a Black issue as well. And that we need to kind of be seeing like the intersections of like trans rights with um, like rights for all black people in a way. And like some examples of that. Well, first of all, like I want to focus on black trans people. So like they are like, so if you think about like attacks on trans people as like, and I think a lot of black people do this, honestly, it's like, think about it like a white issue. Like Mm. they think of like, Caitlyn Jenner, or they think of like, you know, just like other, like they see transness and trans rights as like a white thing and Mm -hmm. something that doesn't like 
you know, I'm black, like that don't got nothing to do with me or whatever. And like a lot of black women, I think don't are like really pushing, um, this kind of goes into like your podcast thing. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like on a lot of these podcasts, like black women push like this, like femininity and oh, like yeah. being like a soft woman mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like that's become like a new trend. And yeah. And I feel like that kind of stuff like this, like who's a real woman type of like mm-hmm. rhetoric and stuff. That's really like, you know, um, transphobic at its core. Um, like I really just feel like black women, black people should not be like, okay with that because we're harming ourselves. We're also harming our, um, other like, like black trans people and stuff like that as well. So, so like black trans people more likely to like face violence. So when we have these overarching like sentiments in society, this like cultural transphobia, it's our folks, our cousins, our brothers and sisters who are harmed by that the most. Um, you know, black trans people are murdered at like crazy disproportionate rates. Um, you know, and it's just like, so it's like they face violence, they face like the impact of like the mental health um, implications that that has, um, all of that. And so like, so they're much more like affected within the trans population. So it's already incorrect to think about trans issues and um, anti-trans laws and bills. It's like, all oh, that's going to affect white people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely going to affect black people the hardest. Um, and then cool. like, Kind of like on the other. So this is like something that I kind of bring up like a lot of times because people like I had someone close to me in my family, actually, who was kind of like we were talking about the um, like the the trans like sports, like the gender mm-hmm. sports stuff, like or mm-hmm. what gender are you for real or whatever type of push within the sports community. And, you know, this person was like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, you know, I don't think uh, trans people should be playing sports because they are, they are going to have uh, an advantage. Like a trans a trans woman would have an advantage um, in female sports and stuff like that. And then I, I had to bring up to them. I'm like, um, well, like, actually, like, it's it's not even like trans women who I mean, it is trans women, but also it's like it's been cisgendered black women mm-hmm. who are like really like getting screwed over by this, like because. I feel like, well, what has been happening, so like with Caster Semenya, and yeah. there's been some other athletes as well, um, like, um, yeah, like pro athletes too. Black cisgender women who have been singled out as being, oh, you look a little too mm-hmm. manly. Even so, the jokes they make about Serena. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so with Serena as well, mm-hmm. um, the jokes, but then that also ended up with her being like um always singled out for drug testing testing, like way too much you know that it wasn't just regular or routine and stuff like that so when a black woman gets good then Mm -hmm. it's gonna be like so easy to kind of attack her off of these gender tests or whatever like pointing them out you know the competition and all they're gonna be like oh that person needs to be tested Mm -hmm. and we already know the tests don't really prove anything, right? Like it's it's a farce. So it's like you're testing people like like with Castor Semenya, like are saying like, oh, she has too much testosterone. So like I think it's like like she couldn't compete, right? Like this yeah, is, yeah. They yeah. yeah. She's been ruled out in a number of competitions. Yeah. yeah. And then the other athletes, it's like it's a some couple of athletes, I believe, from Kenya. 
who also um, couldn't run, like they were running track as well. And like they couldn't run certain races because their testosterone levels, but these are like cisgender women. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, we also like need to understand like trans issues in that way of being like, they also like, they impact black people mm-hmm. um, and they impact like black women, like mm-hmm. trans women and cis women. Um, yeah. So I don't yeah, know. And like ultimately when they make it more difficult for trans people to exist, um, and to be in, in spaces and to feel welcomed, that's going to have a greater impact on black trans people, black trans poor people, um, right. because they're going to be the ones who feel that impact, you know, the most. And I think you mentioned, you know, the, the higher rates of suicide for, um, you know, trans people. And I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think that people realize when, um, and I, this is part of the, the intersectional conversation that we're having, right? It's like when they make laws or they make rules, you know, attacked at a non-Black identity, political identity. Usually if Black people also fall into that category, they're going to suffer worse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like they're, and for most political identity, like there are Black people who share that, share that identity. Um, and so, I don't know, it's really, it's really hard um, because I, I do think people have a, some Black people have a very narrow view of what it means to be Black. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, as you said, you know, they see this as a white issue or a rich people issue mm-hmm. um, because um, probably because they're transphobic and none of their, if they are, mm-hmm. if there are trans people in their circle or in their communities, they're not going to be around yeah. them. They're not going to come out to them. They're not going to do those things. And so, um, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just really hard um, to navigate that space. And so. Yeah, and basically, like, trans rights, like, is also, like, that's a women's issue. Mm -hmm. And and I think the reason, too, that, like, a lot of Black folks don't, like, you know, fully understand, like, the kind of, like, the interlocking, like, relationship between, like, LGBTQ rights and racial rights and things like that is, like, because it's not framed that way on purpose. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, they try to frame this as being, like, that's against you, you know? And a lot of this rhetoric around like feminization of the black man Mm -hmm. and like questions, Twitter questions around, are you black first or are you gay first? Like (laughs) what? Like, (laughs) like that dichotomy, like that's the problem. (laughs) It's like a lot of people are all of the above. And so, yeah. Why do they have to pick? Yeah. But I even noticed like that conversation was popular a lot. Um, during like the 2020 protests, like mm. I remember posting about Black Lives Matter and then posting separately like Black Trans Lives Matter too because you can't like leave trans folks out of the conversations. Because oftentimes we know that like when you say Black, it's never Black trans, Black right. women. It's always kind of centered around Black cis hetero men because sexism men still kind of. Exactly. So it's like, when I mentioned that, then it was like, why are you trying to be divisive? And, you know, <laughs> we're all black and like, you know, da, 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 da. I'm like, yes, we are all black, but black trans experience is different from your experience as a black cis person. Mm-hmm. And like, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that it's different lived experiences and different things impact different populations differently. It's not being divisive. It's calling attention to the issues that exist. Right. 
but yeah, I don't know why people think you have to be all or nothing. It's like, yeah. pick one. Like, no, all of my identities are essential to who I am as a human being. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because it, it ends up like just grounding the experience of blackness, like you said, like, and a, and a black cis man's experience only mm-hmm. is where it, it ends. And it makes all the other experiences of blackness and the ways that oppression looks and happens for us invisible, mm-hmm. basically. And that's like really dangerous and problematic because it's just still is like going to continue to make it like easier to oppress people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, like we're not, we, what's the saying? Sorry, I should. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about like we all like can't get free if, if none of us free. is free yeah, none... we're not free until we're all free until we're all free yeah, yeah. that mm. <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's exactly it right we have we have to widen our view of what liberation looks like yeah, yeah. and it can't just be liberation for for black men um black cis men because ultimately um that's going to lead to the oppression of other people um mm. and so and it's not going to happen. Only black <laughs> cis men can't be liberated, right? No. Like, <laughs> right. like yeah. 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 We're all, like, all of our futures and destinies are actually, like, really dependent on one another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I'll pause. Like, I don't know if y'all had other topics y'all wanted to bring forward as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we were we were getting there a little bit. But, you know, I've really just been thinking about I'm reading about the um, how prep hasn't been reaching black mm. women, mm-hmm. um, and so prep is um, a medication that uh, folks can take if they feel that they are at risk um, or at higher risk for catching catching HIV. Um, it's an oral medication that you can continue to take that will prevent you um, or significantly lower the chances of you. Um, getting HIV. 99% effective yeah. if taken mm-hmm. every day. Every day. Um, but what we're seeing um, recently in the data is showing that there are um, increasing, I don't say increasing, but there are still high rates of incidence of HIV among Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of all women last year, 60% of cases were in Black women. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And Black women make up only 14% of the population of women in, yeah. in the United States. Um, so tremendously overburdened. Um, and I think that's the case for for a long time. You know, the HIV space has been really catered to men, uh, men who have sex with men. White gay males. White gay males. Um, yeah. And then, and so what we see is, as the sort of impact of that is that one, a lot of people don't know that they can take PrEP. A lot of Black women don't know that PrEP is available right, to them right. um, because it's not marketed to them. Um, and then secondly, you know, the stigma around a woman taking PrEP is like, oh, I'm not a gay man. You know, this isn't something that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. promiscuous. You know, this isn't really for me. Um, but if we were approaching, you know, this public health issue with a more intersectional lens, we would see that the data is showing that there's a segment of the population, Black, women um who are not getting the resources that we should be yeah, sharing with them reached. they weren't not... even included in clinical trials for prep wow wow yeah like not one single black woman was in the clinical trial yeah um, and i think you know rates have been slowly declining but in recent years they've plateaued mm-hmm. for black yeah. women um 
yeah, so I, I just think it's a, a really interesting public health issue mm-hmm. um, that really shows how an intersectional lens would may have prevented this mm-hmm. um, had the um, distributors of the drug, you know, public health departments thought about, hey, you know, there is an increased risk among this population. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be be more intentional about getting getting these uh, drugs out there. And, you know, the article that I read came out three days ago. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's just. It's yeah. a it's a big issue yeah. um, that we're seeing, and something that I think is going to continue to trend negatively if we don't, you know, fix fix this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like um, public health workers and stuff should have been like gendering their response and their interventions and programs. Mm-hmm. And like you know, we did that um, Black Health Conversations with um, Dr. Oni Blackstock, who is um, an HIV physician. And just activists as well in her own right. Um, and then um, uh, HIV advocate and survivor, um, Rimsky Evans. So we have uh, a video of that on our Instagram. You can check out on our YouTube as well. We were in conversation with them. It was like a really, really good yeah. talk just about like different things that are happening currently for HIV in the HIV space and for Black women in particular. Um, and so Rimsky, she was talking about how, like, just this exact issue, Matthew, like, she didn't really even, like, think, like, she was at risk for HIV mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then after knowing that she um, was HIV positive and then, like, trying to seek treatment and help, like, was there were so many barriers for her, particularly as a woman, like, she had no one, like, to take care of her children. And, like, a lot of women face that, like... Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a woman, oftentimes, like in black spaces too, like you are playing a lot of roles mm-hmm. for like your family, and so you can't really just step away, like because yeah. then there's no one there to take care of the kids, take care of the home, take care of the man, um, <laughs> all, all those things. You know, everything kind of just falls apart. You also have a job. You you know all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, and so. Like just even being able to like step away to go to your appointment, pick up your medication, all of those kinds of things. Like there are barriers that are in Mm -hmm. place. And so these programs would consider the particular barriers that black women, black like caregivers, people who play that kind of role, which is often women in our our communities, Mm -hmm. you know, have to face. Then, you know, they could do things like have child care available on site. Um, transportation options, just things like even like marketing, how you market it, just not only have, um, you know, gay men in the ads, even if they're black gay men, like that's great, you know, but then we also need to show as well, like another dynamic to it, which Mm -hmm. is this highly affected population as well, which is like black women, like straight heterosexual black women, you know? Yeah. And I also remember her talking about, you know, having to wear or battle the stigma of like her partner being seen as like down low, right? Mm. And, and, oh yeah, you know, and yeah. like even yeah. as even as a woman having to mm. like own that yeah. shame of like homophobia in our in, in our community, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. That's deep. <laughs> yeah, that right. It's just it's super yeah. interesting to think through the many layers, yeah, um, that impact a, a woman like then going to seek services mm-hmm. after an HIV diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we, sometimes we don't even get there, right? Because yeah. you know we haven't framed. HIV and AIDS as a issue that impacts women at all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I know women who've said that, oh, women can't get HIV. I'm just wow. like, that is not true. Not true. <laughs> it's actually uh, easier. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you don't really understand your risk 
um, of having, you know, when you're when you're either, you know, injecting drugs or having unprotected sex or, or doing a number of different things. Um, and it's like, you have to, and so that, I, I don't blame that person at all, right? I think that's mm-hmm. a failure of our, of our yeah. public health systems, of our medical systems, school systems, school systems again, mm-hmm. um, not adequately approaching this uh, public health issue, which was the public health issue yeah. of mm-hmm. our generation and generations before us, you know, really before, um, I'd say opioids or, or COVID, mm-hmm. um, okay. it was, it was only HIV. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think we really have to continue to, to widen, widen the lens and have a more intersectional lens about how we approach, you know, HIV. And I think this is actually something that Black Health should do. We should do mm-hmm. yeah. some, um, some marketing around, you know, prep for women. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I think mm-hmm. that could be a really cool avenue to explore for us. Oh, like no, that. I agree. I like that. Cause there really isn't anything that really exists to let women know that prep exists. Like, even like when I go to the doctor and, you know, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you want HIV test? Like, yeah, sure. But like, you should also be initiating a conversation about prep. Like, right. why yeah. are we talking about this? Black women in Atlanta, even, I mean, anywhere, yeah. but like, you know, these high risk cities, mm-hmm. like, yeah, exactly. for sure. It's like, yeah, you're doing the testing, but like, you know, yes, yeah, testing is prevention, but there's also still as prevention. Too. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. Now they're making injectable prep. Yeah. Or do, is it already on the market? Do you know? They have injectable HIV treatment. Oh, okay. okay. That's okay. on the market. Okay. That's pretty promising. So. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like, you know, treatments and like prevention methods have come like such a long way with HIV and the fact that like just so many people in our community don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we're at the top of the list though. Like we should be the people who are like targeted in these yeah. campaigns to get this stuff and like a lot of the pharmaceutical companies I know like with Gilead like a lot of it they have programs so a lot of it's not at no cost to the patient yeah so it's just like there are you know plenty of ways now to like, get access, to access. Yeah. but again there's still those barriers because like you know like we're saying like people aren't looking at it from an intersectional lens yeah they're just oh, okay this one group here let's do this one target thing to target this one mm-hmm or it's like, yeah, like we're going to help black people, but then like they pretty much devote resources to like a certain black person mm-hmm. right. and don't think about the all the different ways. Like, right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you'll see like a lot of these like drug companies and stuff like at Pride events, mm-hmm. but like y'all not at Essence Fest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. that's the perfect opportunity right. though. Like, like you said, black women are still like, the top of new diagnoses everywhere. And then by framing HIV, like, because it's, like, as a gay disease, like, because it's so stigmatized. So, so stigmatized. And so, really, what ends up happening is that, like, all the, like, force that we should have as a community around, like, you know, doing something about, like, we should be pressuring the government every day. We should be on their necks. Like, Mm -hmm. HIV is still an epidemic in our communities. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no reason it should be. No reason. No reason <laughs> yeah, at this point. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. no reason. <laughs> Forty years. But people aren't even like riled up about it because they think that's gay people stuff. That's mm-hmm. their business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like no. Sure. It's like not. And then you know sometimes I like read the comment sections put on Instagram because I don't know why you do that. It's, it's very entertaining, <laughs> you know. And sometimes it makes me sad yeah. because the things that people believe, but like. Like, literally, I was in the comments the other day, and they were talking about, um, like, getting access to, like, contraception now and condoms and stuff like that with all the Roe v. Wade stuff. And then it was like, 
all these guys were just in there like, I ain't using no condom. And I'm just like, please. <laughs> <laughs> why are we talking? Why are we talking like this still in 2022? And like, y'all are proud to be out here. Like, it was like, when- <laughs> it was like I, I, I ain't hitting if I can't go in raw. And I'm like, okay. Y'all were saying all of this. When was your last FBI screening? Because I bet you you never cannot answer that question. <laughs> Not never. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, hey, y'all get screened every three months or every time you get a new partner, please. Please. Please, <laughs> good y'all. Advice. Very good and advice. even if you are in a relationship, you still need to get tested at least twice a year. Thank you. This is a public service announcement from Black Hill. <laughs> right, that's what we do. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just, gotta figure out ways. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there you're interested in partnering or funding. Funding. Um, um uh work in, you know, prep prep for, for black women, we'd we'd love to speak to you. Especially Definitely. if you have funding. <laughs> <laughs> Not because like listen, people think because you're a nonprofit you're supposed to work for free. And yeah. Like, that's just yeah. Not it, y'all. Like, like, people people that work for work for nonprofits for don't have bills. <laughs> Does we just do it out of the bills? kindness of our hearts. <laughs> and I like to live my life. Pay <laughs> us. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're members of these marginalized groups, so like I know. <laughs> I feel like all of that should be part of like reparations for black folks, like free education, free living. Mm-hmm. Like that's such that is our forty acres and a mule. Oh, for sure. And we should all get Tesla. <laughs> I don't want a Tesla. I mean, it's realistic. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Our African American friend Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all gonna make me flip a mic over? Because <laughs> some people were really saying that man was African American. I saw they that. I'm like. like what you will not do. <laughs> what you will not do. <laughs> Mercy, do you have a um a, a current thing or do you want to... We can move on. <laughs> I mean, mine was also just focused on Black women also. So I think he... You touched on it. Home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. At the end of the day, for me, it's Black women over everything. I love you too. <laughs> I saw this other tweet. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> People say men and women can be friends, and the answer is that they can't because the woman will always have some disdain in her heart for the man. <laughs> Just a little sneeze, like. I feel that though. <laughs> like it's like the princess and the pea, like that one yeah. pea at the bottom of all those matches. Like I love you, but niggas. <laughs> if I had to choose, yeah. <laughs> don't ask me. Don't ask me to make a choice. You are not a black man that I bore from my body. <laughs> when the gender war happens, I'll save you for less. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put you in the nice room. Yeah. <laughs> we got an encampment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, I was gonna say something. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. So also about this um, topic of intersectionality, it's something that we discuss in our racism and health curriculum Mm -hmm. and yeah, our general like black health curriculum. So if you want some people to talk to you about intersectionality, um, do a nice little PowerPoint. We got some slides we can click through. They real nice. Yeah. (laughs) Very nice. Got some examples. Yeah. Some activities. We do. We do. 
Um, so yeah, we can come to your school, your workplace, your function. Virtually, wherever you virtual, at, we can be there. Yep, your Zoom uh, room <laughs> <laughs> and talk about it. Um, as well as we're building an e-learning course that I'm like super, super excited about. And it will also be in our e-learning course. So stay tuned for that. Uh, check back on the Black Health website and see when we got that up and running. Hopefully uh, end of this year. Yes, Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're ready to close out. All right. Well, guys, I hope y'all enjoyed the live podcast. Paula's back, y'all. She's not here forever, but she's here right now. <laughs> I'm back. So for, we'll take yeah. it. So great to be Two in weeks. the room. And um, we saved a seat for Khadijah. <laughs> she's in Baltimore right now doing her fellowship. Go, girl. We love to see it. Dr. Deej on the way. Mm. Um. So yeah, guys, you know, thank you so much for listening to us rant about all things Black Health. We hope that you enjoyed. Please give us your feedback. We want to hear from you. So give us any comments, any topics you guys want to hear from us. Definitely. Um, yeah. And like, you know, make sure, obviously, you're following us on all social media. That's B-L-K-H-L-T-H. Stop spelling it full words, y'all. And stop Sorry. making up different names. That stop. <laughs> it's Black Health. <laughs> B-L-K-H-L-C-H. There's no space. It's, it's not Black Health Matters. Not BlackHealthMatters.com. I don't know. None of that, y'all. It's Black Health. Okay. Appreciate and, it. Uh, but yeah, make sure y'all tap in with us. We got some really great announcements coming up. I heard we might be on the West. I heard that we gonna be on the West Coast mm. in September 18th, L.A. with Black folks. And music and vibes and health stuff because it's us. We're doing a block party with Issa Rae. <laughs> she might pull up though, for real, for real. Like, why y'all playing? we going to be in the neighborhood. Shout out to Trap Medicine. Shout out to Trap Medicine. Yeah. Shout out to Dr. Folamay. Yeah, we'll be there. We're going to be there. So tap in with us, y'all. Y'all have a great one. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.